I'm Gaylord Fields. That's my name, birth given name. I'm a African American male born in New York City who now lives in the greater New York City area. I am a man in my late 50s. Uh, let's see. I've been educated in New York City schools. I have day jobs that involve, that don't involve, they don't involve uh, physical labor, let's put it that way. <laughs> they involve your brain. You have a, well, I think a, brain. a lot of people who use physical labor also use their brain. Yeah. I just don't use my hands when mm -hmm. I use my brain. So I have a question right out of the bat, because you said that you're an African-American male, and I know that there's always a question about if you say that you're a black male, African-American male, uh, how are, do you define yourself based off of uh, any history that you know about your own culture, or is it, or your own race, or is it a personal choice? I tend to actually use the term black more than African-American. In other words, I will say I am black, but I tend to use African-American as a modifier. Mm -hmm. You know, the African-American experience, yes. but, I, but I identify as being black, as my ethnicity. Got it. But, yeah. but I, I really love the idea of using African-American as a descriptor mm. and, um, as I said, a modifier. Yeah. What, is, what does race mean to you? Well, to me, it's easy because, I, of course, we all know race is a social construct, but as such... I, you know, I'm in this socially created world, so I know nothing else but, I, you know, I've, we've all been racialized, mm -hmm. and as such, I have to play by the rules of the game. I, it's, I, I guess the best way to put it is, it, I happily embrace my, my black identity, my black culture. It's a thing that I find, especially because of certain other aspects that I, that I hold, tends to, it tends to want to be erased or minimized by whites in order to make them more comfortable around me. Mm. So it just makes me dig in with my, my black identity even more when that happens. And it's a, it's, I guess the best way to put it is I think someone, some sociologist once said something along the lines of, to be black is to always know you're black. Like I wake up in the morning and I think black thoughts. I think, how am I going <laughs> to negotiate through this, you know, great white world being black? It's it's always part of my consciousness. It's it always informs decisions I make. It's I, I can't, I don't want to avoid it because it's all I know. I've been black all my life, mm -hmm. and I I wouldn't know how to you know, be part of the default culture. Mm. It, it's not a thing I want. It's not a thing I understand. And as such, I, I, I just love being me, and being me is being black. Mm. I think, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you can't, uh, that, like, part of the, part of the sort of, like, racial divide, especially as it's, like, constructed, um, in this country is like the 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 luxury to not have to be like constantly aware of it versus like the experience of just being constantly aware of your own race exactly and, and yeah. as i've said it's not as if i it's not like black like me where i go into a tanning booth and suddenly i get to you know 
feel all this oppression and, and otherness. Yeah. No, no, this is a thing I know, like breathing air and, and drinking water. It's, it's, it's both normal and also unusual in, in that it's something that is conferred upon a segment of the population that is not only not conferred upon the, yeah. you know, the white majority, but isn't even recognized by the white majority as a thing that I and so many of, of, of us um, African-Americans go through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am not conscious all the time of the fact that I'm white. That's not something well, yeah, that I always think about. Yeah, it's No, a, it, I don't think about it. I don't think about it at all except for in recent times where we talk about white privilege and then you have the white guilt where it's like you know that you are getting different treatment and then you're you're recognizing it, you're acknowledging it, you see that you have, you know, if you if you're being pulled over by a police officer, it's not a scary incident. I can I can argue with the officer where I have gotten you, in an argument with a police officer. Would you before. dare get in an are argument with a my police hands officer? Are, my hands are where they can see them. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I speak in the most <laughs> clear, crisp voice. Oh, officer. Oh, can I tell you a story about that? Please yes. do. Yes. I was about, I was in my mid-20s, and I, this is important for the story. I, I had this job. I'll tell you about the job later as it'll reveal itself in the story. And I was going... I was going downtown, I, and so I, got, I was, lived in Manhattan, in, up to, in the Upper West Side, and I had the day off from work. So I remember that to go to the 96th Street train station, you had to use, this is when they had subway tokens. So I remember I could see a train coming, because the, the, the token booth and the platform were on the same level at 96th Street. They've since changed it. So I remember slipping the token in, going through the turnstile, seeing the train running, so I ran down the stairs and ran back up the stairs. And, I, I, and then I get on the train. I'm on the train maybe 30 seconds, and these two men walk up to me. One was black and one was white. And the, and the, the and it was, it, it was clear that they were police officers, plainclothes police officers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of them walked up to me. I, I, I'll tell you how I was dressed. Pretty much the way I, I've always dressed this way. I've, I wear like button down Oxford shirt, jeans, and like boat shoes. This is how I've dressed my entire life. Yeah. Pretty much. Very dapper. Yeah. Very, yes. Very sort of anodyne, very sort of can't really place him kind of way. And I think that's kind of my way to, you know, anonymize myself when mm -hmm. I'm always standing out if I have to analyze that. So, these two plainclothes cops come up to me, and the white cop says to me, hey, let's see some ID. And I asked, oh, what, why do you need to see ID? And he said, you copped a wheel, my man. And I responded to that by saying, I beg your pardon? And he said, at 96th Street. And I responded, and so then it, it, I realized he thought I, I, I had been a fair beater. Yeah, jumped the turnstile. Yeah, oh, turned the turnstile. I've never heard that expression well, before. Well, me either. Well, this was, <laughs> this was also the mid-'80s. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you watch, like, you know, some, like, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 or some <laughs> mm -hmm. movie like that, it, they say stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And, it, and, and I said, oh, no, you're mistaken. I, I did not evade 
I, I mean, I was speaking using the biggest words I could deliberately. <laughs> I did not evade the pharaoh. I think you may be mistaken there. And then, and so he says, well, let's see that ID. So I reach in my pocket and I pull out the ID that I thought would work. It was my ID card that had said that I was an employee of NBC News. <gasps> and it was like, and you know, they, they look it over and I also say, look, I also have a bag. This is when they sold tokens in bags. And I sh showed them the bag that had like several tokens in it. Why would I Why beat would the fair yes. when a, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of the good Negroes and also <laughs> I pay. <laughs> so, you know, they, they discussed for a minute. Then they gave me my, my NBC News ID, <laughs> marking me as part of the mainstream media. <laughs> and, and and just said you know have a good day and yeah. walked away, and and, and 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 it was a thing that kind of angered me. Yeah. And it angered me for several reasons. One was I was just I was profiled mm -hmm. because I ran. So if I ran, I must have evaded the fair. And then it made me more angry is, is that I had this sort of conferred whiteness card. You know, my, my ID making me part of that, that said NBC News on it. Right. Yeah. And it, and it was like, what if I wasn't a person with this sort yeah. of What happens high when status, you're wearing a sweatshirt? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What if I had a hoodie on? Mm -hmm. What if I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is, is, is what, what I thought. It's like, it's, you know, I, I was able to, to show some conferred whiteness because of, because of where I worked and how I spoke. Mm-hmm. And, there and how you're dressed. And how I was dressed. Right. I was, I was, I, I could make myself believable. Yeah. And I, and, and I really resented that. Yeah. And has that been a really common experience for you that you feel like you're maybe. Disarming. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. yeah, that you're kind of like having, that you're put in this position of having to like um, actively disarm other people the fear well, of well, other people well yes i i do i feel like i have to make them comfortable around me and it's a thing that i wish i i didn't have to do mm -hmm. and sometimes i don't feel like doing it yeah and I have a, it sounds exhausting yeah i would imagine right yeah walking on a street behind someone yeah they're and, going to turn around yeah and, 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 and so hold their purse and so what i often do is I, I i find that fifth gear and speed right past them mm -hmm. yeah if someone looks back at me i just suddenly go Vroom. yeah just like yeah, yep. Done. Not gonna steal your purse. Yep. Or maybe I should just to you know to to, to fulfill your fantasy. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's right. often my, my my sort of dark thought is yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you assume yeah. this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. So fine, I'll go ahead yeah, and prove yeah. you right. Uh, yeah. It's less maybe less effort than like trying yeah, then, to prove yeah. you wrong. I've kind of like the parallel of of Gaylord having dark thoughts. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I said that term did you that deliberately. intentionally? Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> we now have a title for this yes, episode. <laughs> yes. Well, 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 I can tell you, as long as I'm anecdotizing, yeah. I can tell you about two things that happened um, since Emily referred to that kind of having to prove yourself or, or do you ever feel like you want to not accommodate people? Yeah. I, I can tell you an instance that happened right here at WFMU. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, and WFMU is a fairly white, yeah. white place. I mean, well, it is. So there's, but but there's a lot of people that are, you know, hopefully progressive. So yeah, you know, this is where it's interesting to hear, yeah. you know, people 
trying, yet right. maybe not. Right. I mean, the <laughs> two incident, incidents don't actually involve WFMU people, but I can also talk about specifically my interactions with people here, not at, in, in a general way. I don't yeah. want to call out any yeah. people since that's not the experience I've had, to be honest. Everyone here has been individually you know, wonderful. Yeah. And that's not how, that's not how that form of, of racism works. It's not a, it's about the, the, the institution. Right. Yeah. 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 But this is what happened once I was, it was, it was at one of the WFMU post holiday parties, mm -hmm. which has been a tradition for years. I was talking to another FMU DJ and there was this person who was a guest. I didn't know this person, not a WFMU affiliated person. Mm -hmm. And the, the other FMU DJ introduced me to this person and said, oh, and this is Gaylord. He's a DJ on WFMU. And the other person just looks at me and says, so, do you do a jazz show? <gasps> and I said, and I don't know why I was feeling this way. I think I was feeling this way because this was my space. Yeah. This was my house. Yeah. And so I said, I said, oh, what makes you think I do a jazz show? Good. You hold her feet to the fire. Yeah. And, and then they just kind of hamana, 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 hamana. And you know, and then I let them, and then I, you know, then I let them, you know, I toyed with the the mouse a little, and then I explained the kind of show that I did do. Hmm. My and God. and it was and and and. It's so typical of, of that, that, that people, white people, this was a white person, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they do want to box you in, and then they do want to put you in a place. They, they want to define you. If you're, I find that if you're black, you want, they, white people really want to define you. Mm -hmm. They really want to put you in, in the light that, that you, looks best to them, mm -hmm. rather than finding out who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have some like already pre-designed boxes yeah. right for like okay you can be this way yeah. or you can be this way yeah. or you can be this way these yeah. are the only three ways that you can be or however many and right. you i'm going to figure out which of these boxes i put you into y yeah you're absolutely right on that and that's yeah. what i was feeling i was feeling just like tagged oh like yeah. oh i got one this is you know <laughs> africanus americanus jazzus <laughs> <laughs> in his natural habitat <laughs> Are there listeners of your show that were surprised when they met you and realized that you were black? In the old days, there used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the internet, that doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah. Which is both really kind of cool and also a little unfortunate. Because sometimes I, I want, I'm actually glad that people know I'm black because I think it's really important for my show to be seen as a show made by a, a person of color, mm -hmm. specifically an African-American person. I want that to be the case. So in that regard, I, I, it's in, in, the, in the regard that it's not fun when people think X of you and then they just throw a completely different set of, you know, expectations at you because you're, you, oh, I expected someone who looked like this to do the things you do here. Mm -hmm. And... Now that that's not really an issue, I, I, it, it sort of shows up in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's like one of the ways it can show up is by people questioning or challenging you. you. Like, it's like the, the one that I would get a lot, and I don't get it so much anymore, and for that I thank hip-hop, actually, in a strange way, <laughs> is like, okay, I'm, I, someone may be discussing, I don't know, let's just say Nino Rota. So I start talking about Nino Rota. And white person will say, so how do you know that? 
I can't ever think that a white person would be asked, how do you have information about a thing? Because what they mean is, and I'm going to do what I do when I explain this, how do you, showing black face of mine, know that fact? It's really strange, and it's a thing that I can't imagine That's happening to someone yes. white, yeah. where they're questioning how you have information on a thing that's readily, readily available to anyone in the world. To anyone. It's like, oh, this isn't part of the cultural experience yeah. I expected you to have. How is it that you got interested in this thing that is different than, like, exactly. the set of cultural, like, you yeah. should only know exactly. about black yeah. culture. Yes, exactly. Do, yeah. And, and the way I often put it is, and, and is that it's, to be, to be a black creative person is often being told, oh, you get the color with the eight box of Crayolas. Mm -hmm. And, 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 That's a beautiful and, way of and, saying and, it. and so many, and of course, we've gotten amazing. We're, 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 we're like Picassos at coloring with eight colors. I mean, just look at, at black culture and, and black musical culture and black dance culture and black, you know, I mean, it's, it's so rich and deep, but a lot of times it's like you can use these things and these things are for, for us. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm using the 64 box, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to let you know that I'm a black person using the 64 box. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also feel like there's, there's a lot of white people, myself included, that you know you, the things that you haven't experienced, like I grew up in a town that there were two black kids in my town and they were the other poor kids. I was the poor white kid and they were the two black poor kids. Yeah. And that was... That was what I knew as far as black culture was that if you were black, you were poor. Right. So so and so when I then moved to Montclair as an adult and, you know, I mean, there's things in between that I saw. But I was I, I was so enlightened by seeing there was there were there were black people around me right. that had so much history and money and background and culture. Right, a black professional money. class or even if uh, they were middle high class. High class, yes. like blue bloods of the yeah. black, of black right. blue bloods. Right. And that was something that I'd never seen yeah. in my life before. Yeah. And I was so appreciative of it, but it was something new for my eyes to see. So it was, it, it, it gave me a double take, but in a good way. Yeah. But people don't even want to recognize the things that they're surprised by learning. Oh, absolutely. And I, I guess for disclosure, I, I do, I'm, even though I don't talk about a, a lot about my personal life on the air or even to, in general, I will say that I grew up pretty damn working class. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so, like really sort of blue collar working class, mm -hmm. you know, often poor, actually. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that, that's the experience that I come from, you know, socioeconomically. So that's another assumption that's often made about me that maybe I've I'm a person a black person of privilege and I was part of the like the Jack and Jill sort of going to the inkwell kind of thing. No, no, I'm you know, I'm I'm a product of of you know, working class, you know, dad drove a a, a box truck and mom worked in a you know, boxing stuff in a factory. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do you does your circle of friends? Uh, do you have a, a black circle of friends, a white circle of friends? Do you do you have a mix? I know that WFMU again is like a pretty white group yeah. here, but you have a world outside of yeah. here. Well, you know, I, how do you connect with those cultures? Well, I mean, one of my big problems is that I'm a bit of a compartmentalizer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I tend to keep different 
friend groups separately because I, I often feel like sometimes you need to have the group of people you don't have to explain stuff to. And, and so I've always been uncomfortable with like, oh, well, here are the friends from, you know, my, you know who I share my black experience with. Yeah. And here are my white freeform WFMU white freak friends. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and here are the people I work with. And here, yeah. So it's, I do tend to keep these groups separate. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to get better at, 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 you know, no pun intended, integrating mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Because it, it is really important for me to, to, to have people that I don't have to explain stuff to. Yeah. Yeah. I and, can imagine. Yeah. And I was going to tell you a second story, and this actually leads up to that. This is not as, as, as funny as the one in the, as, as the jazz story. Mm. And it also involves something happening here in the WFMU space. Uh, it was one Sunday. I, my show was on, is on Sundays. This was several years ago. I, I pull into the parking lot, park my car into the, one of the WFMU spaces. This is when the, uh, the real estate company was downstairs, and they had the first two spots, and the rest of the spots were WFMU spots. So I park in the WFMU spot. I get out of my car to get my records out of my trunk or wherever I kept them, and I see a woman walk up to me, a white woman. And... She's, and she's looking at me, so I'm thinking, is that someone I know? Is she, does she have a question about something? And she walks up to me and she says, uh, this is a private parking lot. And I said, excuse me? And she said, you're not allowed to park here. And I said, well, I happen to know that I am allowed to park here, but I appreciate your concern. And then I just walked away from her. And I was furious. I was so furious. What she basically was, I mean, no, what she did was she was policing my space. She was making the WFMU parking lot into a white space. Yeah. And, you, and um, that's the thing that's come up a lot in, in reading, the idea of, it's what happened at the Starbucks with the two African-American guys who, were, who had the police called on them or the, the woman at Yale who had another white student yeah. you know this, it's this this is a story that has literally been report a new story every day yeah. there was another one today that i read about it's it's and it happened to me here at my place this is my place wfmu mm-hmm. and my right to be here and park my car here was challenged by someone who knew nothing about me except the color of my skin mm. And that was enough to assume for her that you yeah. weren't couldn't be involved at the radio station. Yeah, and 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 what is it of her business? Yeah, and so my so this is what ties into the idea of what we we're talking about before about people you don't have to explain things to. Mm-hmm. So my initial reaction was I want I was to complain about it, and I and I didn't complain to anyone at WFMU or at the at the realty office for two reasons. One is at this point, I knew that they were going to be gone. At this point, it was already established that, they would, that, that their lease would be, not be renewed and they'd be, go- they'd be gone. So first of all, I thought, well, it's not even worth it. And second of all, I didn't want to have to explain it to someone here Right. For fear that I'd have to, that I either would have, they'd be going, I don't get it, or, oh, no, no, there's nothing there. Not to say that that would necessarily be the reaction, but it would really, really suck if that was the reaction. Yeah, right. it's downgrading your experience. Yeah. 
and, and I'm and I'm used to that. I'm 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 actually used to people going, oh, maybe it was something else. Yeah, yeah surely yeah. it couldn't y- have been yeah, that. It's like no, I, yeah, no, it's 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 I, I I know what I know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, believe me when we say that was racist. Believe us. Yeah. And yeah, don't don't try to yeah, don't try to rationalize minimize it or it. minimize it. Yeah. Are they trying to make you feel better? That's what I expect. Yeah. I yeah. Think don't worry, this is not a, a racist place. It's like, yes, it is, because something racist just happened to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and so that was why I never pursued it as a thing. and it's like I said, it's not an indictment on any individual here at WFMU. It's more of an indictment of a system that tends not to believe black people when we've been wrong. Right. And that you could then tell, um, and I, I remember my friend Safia telling me about this, is that she, she has said that, you know, for all of these experiences, every other black person who grew up in this country has had an experience like that. So you could go to talk to somebody else who is also black and who also grew up here, and they you don't have to explain that experience. You just get to tell them what happened, and they're like, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you what Yeah, here's, here's my version. Here's my, so yeah. when you hear these stories about what happened, yeah, I had, you know, you know parking lot Peggy challenge me. <laughs> Down with parking lot, lot Peggy. Peggy. <laughs> Where is she yeah, now? Yeah, hashtag parking lot Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I wanted to, um, I, there's something you said earlier at the beginning of this conversation that really struck me and I wanted to go back to is this idea that um, that when you're interacting um, either with people who are white or in like primarily white spheres yeah. or both, um, that they like to try to pretend that the race issue or that race isn't there. Mm-hmm. To make themselves more comfortable. Oh yes, or become more comfortable with with being in the presence yeah. of a black person that there is no racism. Or and is that what you're? Yeah. I think so. Well, and that yeah, I I would be interested to hear what that looks like because I do hear a lot of uh, people. I think in the name of trying to sound progressive on social media, saying, "Oh, oh well, I don't oh. see color." Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you an example of, a, of an, a, a, an anecdote. Another WFMU anecdote that deals with what you're talking about. I was having dinner with a, a friend who is a WFMU person, mm-hmm. and a, a person of, of liberal, progressive, very liberal, very progressive background, mm-hmm. un, like unimpeachably so, a white person. And I remember I was talking about the process of my radio show mm-hmm. and about be, being a freeform DJ. And I said something along the lines of, by the way, my blackness is probably the primary thing that informs my musical choices. And this person said, what are you talking about? You, 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 what do you mean by that? that, that How is that? Uh, and it was like, like, you know, it was like, yeah, this person challenged this idea. Uh-huh. And, and it was like, it just, I didn't even know how to respond because it's like, why don't you believe me? Yeah. Well, because your whiteness, like, helps you make your decisions. Like, yeah. they just have to put on their own yeah. hat. Yeah. yeah. And I, I said, look, if I were a white person, I'd be making different choices. Mm-hmm. That seems so obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like, it's so obvious. I, I make different choices from any person. But I think a lot of the decisions I make, both creatively and just in maneuvering through life, are through the prism of my blackness. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't my radio show be one of those things? Right. And 
you know, and after I kind of had to like break it down, deconstruct it and put it back together, then it was like, okay, now I kind of get what you're going for. But this is what I mean about why did I have to explain this? Right. Didn't this seem, I mean, I'm kind of glad I did. Yeah. But an educational yeah. moment for that person but, but it's yeah but sometimes it's not you know you don't want to be the educator you don't want to be the the the, the negro explains it all it's sometimes you just want to be you right. don't want to have to be a representative yeah a representative i think yeah. that's a really good point yeah. especially in, like white, in spheres. white spheres yeah that, that you are a lot of people's one black friend yeah i am and you're the person that they are going to get all black experience out of their questions and their and their yeah. needs. Yeah, and, and you know that's part of the joke that whenever there's some new WFMU media campaign, like a video or something <laughs> like, I go, "What point do I show up? Which page am I on?" Yeah, and it's usually not too far into the the, the literature or the See? video. It's like there I am. We're diverse. It's, yeah. like, yeah. the, it's like the Benetton ads. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. And, and and once again, not faulting WFMU as as a collection of people, but institutionally, WFMU is a is a place that was created by and for sort of you know freaky straight white males. Mm-hmm. So that's the the organism that you know works best within that medium. Oh sure, and it's the one that that can thrive the most in this medium, and it's the one that can can adapt. To the medium itself, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, it's like if you are a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're LGBT, it's you kind of have to sort of figure out how much of this part of my identity do I keep, and how much do I let become subsumed by the 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 the, the, the white the freak white maleness of WFMU. Yeah. And and it is it is a negotiation, and mm-hmm. and it is for a lot of marginalized groups and a lot of oppressed groups. It's like how how do we stay ourselves, but also you know get our seat at the table, right? And yeah. and then it's like and then how does a an organization like WFMU is it in its best interest to 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 become this sort of melting pot that sort of makes everyone like the thing that made it big or can it adapt and learn and change when new ideas from different groups come in i hope it becomes more of the latter yeah. i see some strides being made to that regard mm-hmm. but of course there's a lot more to go yeah there's a um, i mean from a female perspective you know in the 10 years that you know i've really been really into this radio station, I've seen such a trend of a whole lot more females on the radio, and uh, we still only have two and a half, <laughs> two two black people, three. I mean, if, if well, maybe yeah, there are there are a few there are a few people there are <laughs> maybe like no, I would say oh, there are no, like, like four there are like four or five people with See, African um, ancestry here. I mean, I'm not here to tell anyone's story, but there are yeah. about, about four or five of us. Okay, oh, good. yeah, oh good. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting one. Yeah, I'm saying there are, on the on the current on their staff there are five people with African ancestry. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, which doesn't reflect the the percentage of yeah. African From derived very... music played, but <laughs> which is no, which is really interesting, and and that's always the conundrum I like to ask. It's like, is it okay? You know, and this is not an argument about cultural appropriation because that's a term I have a lot of problems with. Yeah. Because it's often used as, as 
you know, as what they call performative wokeness. And, and I, I see... Yes, yeah, I, I agree I, with yeah. that. And when I see that, I just go, no, you're not speaking for me. Yeah. Don't, don't speak for me. Yeah. I have a voice. Yeah, yeah. But, but I do think that, that, that you have an... It's, it's one of the arguments I've made with, with some of the women at WFMU. Is it more important to have a woman who plays a lot of female-fronted music, female-created music, female-sung music, or is it okay if, if, if a man plays most of that, if it comes from a sincere place? Or how about a woman who plays mostly male music? And these are all tricky arguments because my argument, and this is the one that goes back to the friend I had dinner with, is yeah. I'm playing, let's say, 65% you know, Euro-American artists in a black way. <laughs> and I know I am. But you're playing them because of your choices yes. and your experiences and what you're, what you like. Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's just who you are, and that's what you've come to those decisions to play. Yeah. I mean, that's really as simple as it is. Yeah. And and for and, anyone to play whatever they want. <laughs> right. And and what 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 inspires me? Maybe it could be as something as simple as I want to prove that a black dude can be a really good freeform DJ because that's not a place where we're often allowed to go. And maybe I'm trying to be like the Jackie Robinson of freeform DJs. That, that could be it. I'm not denying that. I might even be owning that to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe other people will, 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 will feel the same. You know, it's, and I remember I said earlier something about like, oh, before hip hop, I, I was often challenged about my like of music that is not, you know, not black music. Yeah. I mean, amongst my love of black music, of course. Mm-hmm. But... And, and I, I, I give hip-hop a lot of credit because there are all these people who are, are really going into really strange places for, to, to base their music on. They're, 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 they're sampling David McCallum records. You know, he's the guy who played Ilya Kuryakin on, you know, they're just, you know, they're sampling Raymond Scott. They're sampling, you know, Carole King. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they're going to place, you know, they're, you know, they're sampling, you know, Stevie Nicks. It's, it's, yeah. it, it, it's given me cover in a way for which I can't thank the, the, you know, the hip hop community in a lot of ways for not making it weird for like, you know, black freaks to be freaky. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember on one of the, one of the Gab emails a while back, um, that in the Gab email for those listening, or it's like an internal email kind of community system people email back and forth it's uh, online community emails um but on that gab list they were talking about uh that tv show vinyl that came out and i remember specifically you talking about that you were that that one black man at a punk show in the 60s wearing a cardigan yes and um and being in that scene which is also a very um white scene and i just wanted to know like what that how that felt back then um, being in that scene and if it was, um, you know, and, and being in that music culture, if, if yeah. that evolved who you were. Well, it's interesting because I was just thinking this the other day, irrespective of this conversation. And I, w- and, and, it, and I can answer the way I can answer to you the way I answered in my head. And I've always I'm, I, I would never have called myself a punk. Mm-hmm. I was not a punk. But you're in the punk I was scene. a person who liked <laughs> punk music. Right. Mm-hmm. I was never a, a, a indie rock 
liker. I was a person who liked indie rock music. I was never a jazz head. I was a person who liked jazz music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I would never identify with any group, even if I liked the music of That's any group. Yeah. I always felt separate but within. Mm. And I even feel that way at WFMU to, to a certain degree. I always feel like I am you know, with but not of. Mm. And it's, it's a, I think it's a privileged place to be in a really strange way. And... It's 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 and and one of the best things that's about now rather than then is that you kind of felt like you had to make choices. Do I have to hang out in, with these you know in these white spaces because there there's there's music I have to enjoy for reasons that are that are that have nothing to do with anything except I like this kind of music. I guess the compromise I make is hanging out with a bunch of white people. But now I really feel like there is space for what I called, what I called earlier, the black freak. It, it's, I, I, it's, it's. If for those who don't know, one of the things I've done for a living is I, I I've done writing, mm-hmm. and I've never really wanted to write a book, but I think I now have a book in me, mm. and I think that book would be about about the concept of the black freak, the celebration of the sort of the way that sort of the, the white freak is is celebrated in, in, in American culture. The idea of the, the person who who really didn't play by anybody's rules. They can't put you in a box. Right. I mean I see people you know and, and, and it would have people it would have everyone from say Arthur Lee of Love who really did play whatever yeah. he wanted and did his own thing to cool. the person who would probably be like on the cover of my book and that would be Janelle Monet. Oh yeah, she like, exemplifies what it means to be the black freak. Yeah, I just look at her and I just like go, we do live in a better world, a world that could give space for her, make her a star, get out of her way so she can do whatever she does, is in some ways a little bit of a better world than the one I remember. I think that would be a really interesting book and a really important one because yeah. it's it's about getting outside of that box that society's trying to put you in. And that's like what we were talking about earlier, how so much of the experience of being black is constantly having uh, the white culture around you put you in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, we've done amazing things in that box, but yeah. there are some people who want to be outside the box, and or sixty-four or, crayons. Yes, or <laughs> want to be in the box and outside the box at the same time. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or like, okay, I'm going to be in the box, and then I'm going to go outside the box, and then I'm going to use all the experiences to get back in the box and make things for people in the box or people outside the box. Yeah. Whatever it takes, just we can add do a it. bunch of doors and windows to my box. Yeah. <laughs> we really can do it all. And, and, and it's so great seeing some of us doing it all these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if we could just step back and if you can talk about um, one of the first, like when you first experienced racism like when you first noticed that like you had a different view to the world than than a white person and i want to add to that the question of like when you first became aware yeah of race wow i i think i've always been aware of race because i because of my background Mm -hmm. i was i was this a child of working class parents who came to new york separately from the segregated south 
really? So, yeah, they were part of the African-American diaspora. Mm -hmm. They met in New York. So I was always aware of race. I was always made aware of mm -hmm. race. It's by your parents. By my parents. By by you know my parents' friends. By my 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 relatives. Your family. My circle, family yeah. circle. It's yeah. it's pretty obviously you know mm -hmm. we were colored, as we said back in the sixties. Where in the South? Uh, well, my mother is from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. My father was from Louisiana. Okay. Wow. I found it interesting when I moved down to South Carolina for work to Charleston um, that the, you know, we all got kind of these packages to move down. And it was a lot of northern black people and white black people, white people. And then when we moved down there, it was this really strange culture clash of the northerner black people moving down and dealing with the southern black culture and them kind of seeing themselves as um, a, a, a separate but a, a little bit above equal to the Southern black culture. Right, that somehow there's this, this culture clash amongst black Among, people. Yes. Which, which is a very common thing, actually. It's something that is really? often really not recognized or even noticed by, by white Americans, that we have our own struggles, mm -hmm. that... You know, I, I remember there being ideas of like, you know, American born African Americans versus, you know, Caribbean blacks mm -hmm. and there being talk about that. Yeah. Or of course the the old paper bag thing from the old days where where it's you know, where if you were lighter than a paper bag you were or you could confer a particular status mm -hmm. in in the South, especially in like New Orleans culture, which which is where it was the, the sort of New black Creole culture. Mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah. and so that and so there, there was, has always been this internal sort of you know, racial stratification, hierarchical structure. Have you felt that, um, is it okay if I mention that you're married to a white woman? Yeah, yeah. For this purpose, let's say, let's just say I am for this. Yeah. Well, well that is, well, that's a, it's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, my, my, my spouse is, is white, and I often find that when I'm with her, I get what I call conferred whiteness. I think I used that term yes. earlier. Yeah. That suddenly it's you know <laughs> I'm not followed around in in the in in the department store or you know, or they they're easy they're quicker to buzz me into a space if I'm with this white woman. Mm -hmm. And of course that doesn't feel too good. No. No. But then on the other side, do you do you get looks from other black people when you're with a white person? It's interesting. I don't find that to be the case so much anymore, but I do remember sometimes with with black women there would be this idea that, "Oh, we're not good enough for you." And it's like, "Well, no, that's not what I mean anyway. This is just happens to be the person I'm making a life with." Hmm. And it's it's not, you know, I, this is not a a status accessory. Yeah. And and unfortunately for a lot of Black men, white women are a status accessory. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why you often see a lot of um, interracial relationships being very one-sided. Right. I mean, I mean, if I can just generalize amazingly, for example, you'll see a a lot more black men with white women than you will see black women with white men, and the ratio is really skewed. Yeah. Or or even another one, you no. Know, 
Asian women with white men, and then the the reverse being incredibly less common. Yeah. And yeah. and that is be, and that has to do with like male female dynamics and once again status for, you know status and power and how to get one you know and the sort of dance that you get one from the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a really interesting story told to me by uh, an interracial couple that I was friends with in college, um, a black man and a white woman, uh, about an argument they got in one night on the street coming home from a bar. They were probably both a little drunk, mm-hmm. and they, they got in an argument, and she kept raising her voice. And this was in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kept saying, can you just, like, I get that you're mad, I get that you're mad, but can you can you keep your voice down? Can you stop yelling at me? You know, I, rec- I know exactly I, why. Yeah, I see your face. You, you've had this experience. <laughs> um, and she was like, don't tell me to be quiet. Don't, like, and was just, like, getting even more angry with him as a woman having the experience of, of having a man yeah. tell her a to be A man is quiet. telling me, a man is putting me in an unsafe place. Yeah. And he's thinking yeah. a white person is putting me in an unsafe place. Yeah. And why would that be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All, all needs is some white knight to come by and decide yeah. that this uppity N-word is uh, bothering, bothering this, this nice white, white woman lady. Dangerous. Yeah. And then exactly. and taking you know the, the chivalry into his own hands. Yeah. Or, or yeah. like... Yeah, I mean, and it it just, I I think, like, they got home and he explained it to her there. And she was like, oh, like, it had never even occurred to her because that's not her experience. All she was thinking was, like, this man is telling me to be quiet. I'm so angry about it. But, like, she was like, it didn't even occur to me that, like, my anger at him telling me to be quiet like doesn't even compare to Two like completely his, different his viewpoints. Fear. Yeah. His fear that someone will kill him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the fairly yeah. rural South. Yes. Because he's having a fight with his white girlfriend yes. on the street. Yes. Two college students. Yeah. And I recognize that entirely. Yeah. I mean when you just when you just <laughs> said white man, white woman arguing, I went, Oh, I know where this <laughs> is know going. Where this is going. Yeah. yeah. And it is. It's like it's you are putting yourself out there. When you're a part of an interracial couple, and it's and sometimes it, it is interesting to see like when like unintended white privilege shows up, mm-hmm. and and it's it's and it, it is like I I have to explain to you why this is freaking me out kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And did another experience that they talked about is having really just. Uh, apparently well-intentioned like white progressive individuals coming up to them and being like you two are just so beautiful together you would make such beautiful children you're such oh, yes. a beautiful couple yes. and like well we're that, glad that, that was yeah. infuriating yes yes we're, we're, we're glad we can be you know exemplars of the of a futuristic society yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're fly off in our, exactly we'll, we'll fly off in our pod and breed away <laughs> and make the world a better place and come back in in a few millennia and and repopulate yeah yeah where do we sign up yeah <laughs> like we're just people yeah we're, yeah we're just two people who who love each other yeah just let us be right. yeah we're, we're not we're not yeah the idea that 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 sort of the well in yeah that 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 sort of racism isn't always about about bigotry yes is is the is the confusing thing to a lot of white people yes 
Can we talk a little bit about that? Because yeah. that is, to me, one of the most interesting and, and one of the facets of racism that I am seeing so much more often now. Yeah. Um, have, being a Southerner who has moved to the North, mm-hmm. I saw a lot more of the first kind, right. the, the bigotry yeah. when I was growing up. Oh, and God, then moving yeah. to New York City for a while, I was like, wow, it's just so different here. And that bigotry isn't present. But it is. But it's also under the then, yeah. Well, it's, it's under the yeah. surface. But then there's also this other weird kind of racism that exists among sort of the progressive culture of the North and and the South too. Yeah. That is, as you say, not bigoted, but yeah. Oh yeah. Can we, yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. Well, well. Tell me what you what you've uh, experienced. Give me an example of something you've noticed that is like not like clan member bigotry but it's like man that's kind of racist what just happened here if i can just bring up just one short point unless you want to go first you you go first yeah i I have one too just the time that i was in the south i remember that people if you were in white company they would fluidly use the n-word it was just normal yeah and i would say like i'm not comfortable with this and they said how long have you lived here and i said two years well you haven't been here long enough you'll understand like that you'll evolve yeah, right. into a racist if you stay within the white community in yeah. the South. Ew. Yeah. yeah. That's terrible. But it was very common that if yeah. you were in an all-white audience, like the hats were off and you yeah. were a well, straight-up yeah. racist. Yeah. Well, I it's, it's always assumed that that's what it's goes on. It's always Yeah. I always yeah. assume that. Yeah. Of course, I'd never you know, witnessed it, but I've, you know, I've heard enough white people told me, oh, I've been in, in, in situations where people felt like they could let their hair down and be like completely bigoted. Yeah. 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 The two that I see the most often, the, f- the first one is the, oh, wow, it is just so incredible. Uh, this is from a, the perspective mm-hmm. of a well-intentioned white progressive yeah. um, to a black individual. It's just so incredible you know, what you've accomplished how um how articulate <gasps> you are you're so you're just so oh. articulate and you're so intelligent ah, like gag, that gag, is like gag. they're like we're being nice because yeah. we're trying to show you that yeah. we recognize it's like you're you're you know what they're saying you're one of the good ones yeah mm-hmm. we recognize that you're not like the others mm-hmm. yeah or that yeah. you o- had to overcome being Bla- black blackness yeah Somehow, in order yeah. to be articulate or yeah. intelligent yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I call the oh, I don't you know when you called it like we don't see color. I always yes. I get the, I I've even gotten the worst version which is oh, I don't even see you as being black. I'm like <gasps> what? That's so Yeah, rude. oh, I've gotten that. I don't see you Because as being I black. because I don't speak in in, in, in the African American, you know, vernacular dialect. Yeah. Even though my family members, yeah. some of them do. <laughs> and because I wear J. Crew shirts, even though some of my family members wear, you know, hoodies and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, no, you know nothing about me. You yeah. know, you know what I dress like and, and possibly what kind of education I had. Yeah. <laughs> Which school that I, I went to a good school. Yeah. And maybe my taste in music. Yeah. Or, but you, yeah, you don't yeah. know. Yeah. You don't know that much about me. You know me. nothing about me. And, yeah. and you're projecting a lot of stuff that is making me kind of disgusted is, is usually the case. But it is, yeah, so, yeah that kind of like pat on the head mm-hmm. is really infuriating. Yeah. It, 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 I, it's like almost you'd rather have someone just like call you the N-word than... 
be patronizing like that. Right, exactly. It's like, at least I know where you stand so I could, like, you know, you know, kick you in the nads and right. run. Because now I just have to, like, explain <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the other, um, the other sort of, I think it's... Uh, I think it's related. The other example that I would give is one that my friend Safia has talked to me a lot about, which is like, especially since the recent election and all this mm-hmm. talk of allyship, right. is that a lot of white people for whom she is their sort of sole black friend mm-hmm. um, a- approaching her for like advice yeah, and being like, tell me, I want to understand. Like, tell me what it's like to be black. And she's like, I can tell you what it's like to be me. I cannot speak for the entire black American experience because everyone is an individual. I can't tell you just what it's like, you know? And it's like in the name of trying to be good allies, I think. And she said that she's intentionally distanced herself from her friends that do that because she's like, it's just so... Uh, well, it's enervating. It's it, and she was like, it's just it. It really just like commodifies me yeah. in this way. That's oh. like, you're, oh, you're my black friend. I can learn something about like and be a yeah. better, a good white person. Well, that's the whole magical Negro thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's it, it, yeah. We're you know we're real for that. We can we can you know we're we're our our role in this movie is is to make that the white star of the movie a. You know, more enlightened. Right. But this isn't a movie. This no. is real life. I have. I'm a fully fleshed out person. Yeah. I I have experiences that that you would never know, and there, I have experiences just like you. Yeah. And 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 we're all you know on some sort of scale of of experience that 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 you know it's like I know more about what it is to be white than they know what about what it is to be black because. I live in a world where I'm inundated with white culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm being told that that's the norm. Yeah. That always, I always recognize that when I'm, when I'm in a place where there's, there's a minority of, of black people and I, and I'm always so empathetic to what it must be like when you're going into a space and you are the only person of that race and how, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's lonely, but I just I feel for their experience yeah. being being alone, being alone in that situation. Yeah. And not that, you know, I mean, everybody should have every space and I don't want to take have this go the wrong way. But because I'm not articulating it correctly, but um, it's just um, I, I find it I find it lonely that that there's not more of a of that these spaces aren't more like integrated. It's not integrated. Yeah, that they're not more integrated. But I mean, that but almost even, sounds yeah. like I mean, that it's, does sound it's, like the the United Colors of Benetton when you say right. like integrated. No, yeah, like it doesn't have yeah. to be forced that way. Yeah. But like when you go to a place, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could. I, I personally want to want to make them feel welcome. Want to make anyone of any other type I feel think what welcome? You're saying. Yeah, it's this and idea it, that like the the narrative in these spaces, yeah. uh, it's, it's it's sort of like what you were saying about how you're inundated with like white culture. Yeah. It's like that that in these spaces, it's it's just an empathy. Like, are yeah, you? Well, do you feel like I just feel like man? Well, like sometimes this... what a good ally can do is just you know shut up and listen, <laughs> yeah. or just shut up and pay or attention, just, or just you know make. <laughs> 
make that person feel welcomed. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah, and, and, I mean, and, as yeah. an individual, you're an individual, but like, you know, yeah. and that to feel actually, welcomed. What you said about like sometimes like a good what a good ally can do is just shut up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> another thing I wanted to ask you about is like how often do you find that the uh, white friends you have or work acquaintances you know or colleagues give you space to talk about race? Uh, that's It's rare. Yeah. It's absolutely rare, which is why when this was proposed to me, it, it was like, oh, I've been waiting, what, 58 years for this? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I, was my, my, I think my, answer, my reply was something like, hell yeah. 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 yeah get out of my way. I, I've been, I've, I've, my whole life has <laughs> led up to this little podcast here. <laughs> but I think it's also like, you know, from a, from a white person, like you're afraid of stepping on toes because, yeah. you know, you're also, you know, I'm coming from a space where I don't know all the answers. I just need to shut up and listen. And, but sometimes, you know, I'm stepping all over my own words to try to explain, you know, my empathy, you know, right. the conversation about, I'm trying to show that I'm but, an ally, but I think we have to be okay stepping on a few words in order to be able to try to articulate you know yeah yeah be, yeah it's going to get uncomfortable it's going to get and, uncomfortable yeah and i'm not going to be in my comfort zone because yeah. i'm never in my comfort zone to be honest <laughs> white people and you're going to be a little uncomfortable too yeah. Yeah. and that's the like you know boo-hoo <laughs> oh yeah but uh, oh the the important uh, the the important things that happen when we're uncomfortable. Yeah, uh -huh. you know all the important work that gets done yeah. when we're not in our comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. Now in this, to get a little bit political here, but not too much. Yeah. Um, but when we were in the wonderful Barack Obama age, um, we it seemed like we were heading in a much better direction with, with racism and with the conversation and equality. And now we're in the Trump administration and people are calling police over barbecues and seeing that there is a black person, you know, doing something in their neighborhood and they are okay saying the N word at any given place. Um, and there's two two viewpoints there. One is that the racism always existed under the surface, mm -hmm. and the other is that you know that they're creating and flaming and and people are emulating our president. And it, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Well, on... I think it's a little of both. I think that there's always been a there's has always been a racist core to to white America. I don't think that's ever gone away. I just think there was a time when it became uncool. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. I just think being outwardly racist in general society has been uncool. And I think... Until now. Yeah, well, and, and I think <laughs> now it's cool again. But, it, and, but it's always... I always find that like the racism versus anti-racism has always been a fashion. Just like suddenly there's this trend where they're digging up the Twitter of like... 17-year-old baseball players who said racist things when they were 17. Right. And 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 now that's the way you can you can show you care. <laughs> it's like yeah. because it's because people love trends. And if the trend is to put on your MAGA hat and and talk about the the those horrible Mexican rapists, 
then people will follow that because it's a way for them to show their 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 bigotry, their racism, their hatred of the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that has never. I don't think the numbers have changed that much. I just think the proliferation and how you get it out there has mm-hmm. changed. I think the idea that there's social media now just makes it really easy for people to to think they're in private spaces that are public spaces and then yes. suddenly someone shines a light on this horrible statement and and it it becomes a, a controversy for the 24 hours that the news cycle lasts and then it gets swept under the rug because look now there's something new to feed the 24 hour news cycle yeah and i have actually posed this question in the past of like whether racism was um as big of a problem under Obama and the answer I got which I thought was really interesting and I I hadn't thought about was that um a lot of the really like established like deep-seated nefarious under the surface institutionalized racism that you don't see actually wasn't being addressed under Obama as much as it is now because the sentiment was sort of like well, no, we have a black president now, so yeah, racism is Rac- Yes, exactly. There is no more racism. Yeah. Yes. See? Black so, president, yeah. we're fine. We don't need to... No, 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 none of that stuff. It's yeah. gone. It'll fix itself. But isn't yeah. that... I mean, but that's where it's, it's very different from, you know, uh, from feminism or any other subject because, you know, we can culturally change, you know, our grandparents and thinking about certain subjects if you continually educate and kind of put it into the culture except yeah. maybe well, for racism well i mean it, it contrasted to the struggles of the lgbt right mm-hmm. i mean there there has been real progress there yes. because of certain things like people coming out like and coming out earlier yeah. and coming out to their families but you're and, not coming out like, yeah. you're yeah there's no there, i don't have a coming out <laughs> no i don't i don't it's not, it's not like oh mom and dad I'm black. Oh, we love you anyway. Exactly. Some <laughs> you know? bigoted white person is not going to suddenly have their mind changed because they learn that one of their sons yes. is black. black. Yes. <laughs> yeah, unless unless that child is like yeah. Rachel Dolezal. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Dad, did you watch that documentary? Uh, I, I, I have it on my queue. I have, Me too. I, have it, I don't have the nerve to watch she, it. She like doubled down on the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she changed her she's name like, to a more completely Africanized, Africanized name. name. Yeah. I mean, her and her sons, like oh, I was so, sons. her poor sons are like, mom, can you just tone exactly. it down a little bit? Yeah, her, her, their, their take is generally something along the lines of, we love our mom, but you know she's crazy. Yeah. 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 And and her experience, you know, like you said, I mean, you can't just take oppression on as an identity. Yeah, because you, know? you can slough it off just as easily if, yeah. it, beca- if, the, if it gets a little too hot. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She has the yeah. option to go back. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I was sort of struggling to articulate when I, I got, I remember when the whole thing first came out, I got in an argument with someone about it, about why it was a problem. Yeah. They were saying, well, I mean, if you can be born a man and feel like you're actually a woman why can't you be born white and feel like you're actually black and i'm like but i mean you can't because you can't but i think the thing that i was struggling to right. articulate is that like it's an oppressive she's got psychological issues yes, she, she was does. she was brought up her parents were not taking care of of her or her siblings so she took on taking care of all of her black siblings adopted foster kids as 
the mother figure. So I think at a very young age, because she was a very young, oldest sibling, Mm -hmm. taking care of a lot of younger black siblings, that she wanted to find a way for them to continue that identity. And that would be her being the black mom. She needs therapy. Right. <laughs> because once again, it's 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 also seeing blackness through some like very narrow signifiers. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's not just your yeah. cornrows, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that there are a lot of people who are just as you know, just as black as the next person who don't have cornrows or or don't speak in African American vernacular dialect or aren't like you know, sassy or mm-hmm. or or what have you. Whatever this whatever whatever is thought of as being black. Right. Yeah. 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 And and it, it would it would be as if it would be just as legitimate for you, Emily, who is mm-hmm. white, mm-hmm. to just say, "Oh, by the way, I'm black," and it's just as valid as Rachel Dolezal. Right. Is what I'm saying. With you not doing anything, not, not doing changing anything. the way you speak, not going, not you know, immersing yourself in bronzer or. Right. Getting hair extensions, or right, yeah, yeah, or or marrying uh, a series of black men and having their babies—it's none of that has. You know or what changing I mean? the way that I or speak, speak or, or or your name or anything. Yeah. It's it's just you could very you have just as much of a claim as she does, which is right. pretty much none. Which is zero. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> is my point. Yeah, and I know it's probably it's definitely not going to happen in our generations, but. It, in your opinion, I mean, do you think there's going to be generations from now that racism is eradicated? Or do you think that just America... Mm. Not as long as there's the United States of America. And that's the pessimistic way. Remember that that this country was built on our yeah. backs. Yeah. This was built on dehumanizing my ancestors. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, and it's a perfect machine for that. It's why people who come from former Soviet Union or Thailand or or even Guatemala, you know, as much as they're demonized in one way, this is this is not a the United States is a machine made to oppress blacks. Mm-hmm. It's in the constitution. It's in it's you know, it was the law of the land in part of the country in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah. mother remembers when they desegregated her yeah. school yeah. in the South. Yeah. It's, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. It was not like that she, long she ago. She remembers. Yeah. She has like a very solid memory yeah. of that. Happening. Well, I think someone even on the gab list was talking about, was it the Smithsonian Museum yeah. or was it the Bronx Museum that still had black people oh, on display? Oh I, oh, I did. I brought up, I made a, a cheeky little thing about Oda Benga, the, uh, the uh, member of the Pygmy tribe who was put in a cage at the Bronx Zoo around the turn of the 20th century. Yeah, the turn of the 20th century. I mean, he, people... There, yes, there was, they took a, 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 an African human... Like a... And put him... In, this is, yes. And put him in a cage. In a zoo. In a zoo. Yeah, in the, I think it was the Bronx Zoo. It was the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. As they say, you can look it up. That is... I, I didn't know... <laughs> It's crazy. But, that, you, yeah. but yeah, knowing and, uh, this just, history, yeah, and, I mean, we have gone far. <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, just, to, just to show, that, okay, just to show one last thing, just to show how not long ago the, the, the institutionalized, I mean, the heavy institutionalized racism 
is so baked into the American experience. Yeah. I'm going to ask both of you a question. Okay. Um, Emily, what was the surname? Do you know the surname of your your maternal great grandfather and what he did for a living? My maternal great grandfather, uh, Taylor. Okay, and what did he do for a living? I he was an employed alcoholic. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, I'll ask you His the same. His wife worked this in question, the nylon. Same question. Yes. Uh, this name, is my very. What was the surname of your maternal great grandfather, and what did he do for a living? Farrier, because he was a farrier. Um, horse farrier and but my family yes I have the privilege of my family going back to the second trip of the Mayflower and it's fascinating history yeah. for me but I bet there's some history there oh yeah you know I, my grandmother when she passed away they were giving away some items and my grandmother was a very progressive woman yeah. I mean she she left the country club because they didn't allow the black friend doctor that she had yeah. you know so she was very high level on you know an economic on an economic level but she was very progressive and would make very conscious decisions on not being a racist yeah but she also had in her possession slave beads. Mm -hmm. Like, where did those come from in our family history that she came onto the possession of these of these clay circular with holes in them? So you would wear them on your neck. I mean, I don't I don't even know the history of this, but I have this in my possession from my family history. I, I don't even know if I want to know more about that. But I do. There's really you do, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. there's some, you know. I mean, when you have that much history, you've got you've got baggage for that history. Even if it's northern family history, I mean, there was slavery. That was the thing yeah. that blew my mind right. that there was there there was right. there was slavery well, well, in the north. Well, you're hitting my yeah. my my point here. So. I'm, the reason I'm asking for the, about this particular member of the family is I'm setting you up, obviously. Right. Yeah. And here it comes. My maternal great-grandfather, when he was born, he didn't have a last name. And you know, you know why he didn't have a last name? He was owned by somebody else. He was somebody's property. Mm. Just like that ox. Just like that horse. My great-grandfather. Wow. So it's That's, not that yeah, far away. That generation was yeah. I mean, yeah. your great Grandfather. Yes. Not like, even I have great, pictures great grandfather. Of my great grandfather. Yeah. My mother knew my great grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, th yeah, that's someone your parents yeah. knew. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, here's another funny part of that. Just, he has a sister who's still alive. Hmm. There is a, I have a living relative whose brother was a slave. How old is she? She's a hundred and two. Good. She's, she's, nice. she's a half sister, and there's many, there's like quite a, yeah. Yeah, but still, yeah. her brother. Yes. Wow. Yes. I have a living relative whose brother was born in slavery. This is a question that I have. You know those, like, genetic tests mm -hmm. that people are all about? I've done like it. Like 23 and me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, wh so what were the results? Uh, let's see. It, 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 it shook out, anecdotally, pretty good. 78% uh, sub-Saharan African about 19.5% European and like 2% Native American. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, there's a lot of anecdotal information with both Southern blacks and whites claiming Native American ancestry. Sure. And 
almost all of it is untrue. <laughs> a lot of these tests have shown that most of these people who claim that have none. I have some tiny amount, which is actually pretty unusual. Mm -hmm. So, and that does work out anecdotally, mm -hmm. that from both sides of my family that I have um, a, about 20% European ancestry. Do you feel like those genetic tests give you the history that history in your family has not been able to provide? Like, it, it, does it feel? It, connect, it does connect me to what's, in, in other words, it not, it's not telling me anything I don't know already. Yes, mm -hmm. I know that most of my ancestors come from Western Africa mm -hmm. and the and the and these few countries because that's where they got all the slaves. Mm -hmm. That's where they enslaved people. So, but hearing it like some official pronouncement, this 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 organization says, "Oh yeah, you are sub-Saharan African. Be proud of it. You can you connect to all these other people who have also taken this test." Does mean something. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't you know I don't know what my real family's names are. And I'm even talking about the, the, the European ancestry I have. Yeah. It's all gone. It's, 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 it's nothing. It's, it's a horrible thing to go through life not connecting to your ancestors, to have that just absolutely severed. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. what that would be like. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a hole. It's an absolute hole hmm. we have. Yeah, that must be. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. You know, that's something that I... Yeah. I that I yeah. do cherish the yeah. fact that I know, yeah. you know, we have paperwork that goes, yeah. you know, through generations and generations. Yeah. Yeah. And my aunt has been doing a lot of digging and has gone back and yeah. found people's like yeah. marriage certificates yeah. in but how in quickly Prague and like yeah yeah, yeah but that, how quickly it goes to okay we were slaves yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I we, mean there we, isn't we any good to, story yeah. to like you were a baron you yeah know? We, yeah we get to you know we get to say the 1700s and then that's where the trail ends mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. yeah well yeah hopefully the trail forward yeah well right. that's just it yeah and and so those genetic tests they you know they're kind of like spackle for the hole in our heart mm. you know they they, they 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 don't plug it up with the same substance but they do fill it with something mm. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a really good country song yes. <laughs> spackle for the hole in my heart <laughs> oh we're running out of time yeah. here but i've so appreciated this conversation oh it's, it's been it's been really great that you given me a space to talk about a thing no one ever asks me about. Mm -hmm. They 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 either think that I've got it all settled or that I'm not you know that I'm not a person with who holds anger or has experiences like the three or four of the you know hundreds I could tell you about. Right. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know the ones that I sort of cherry pick because they fit certain questions. Right. Yeah. Well yeah, it's it's so oh, I think it will be enlightening to know that someone who's got it pretty good as I do, mm -hmm. also doesn't have it pretty good in mm -hmm. a whole lot of ways that they wouldn't even imagine. Yeah. Where could people hear you, Gaylord? Well, they can hear me at WFMU, which is the radio station that I'm part of every Sunday from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's WFMU.org. Excellent. Thank you very much, Gaylord Fields. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily and Kim. Let's go eat some gazpacho together. You betcha. Culturally <laughs> appropriated soup. <laughs> <laughs>